Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 is where we are. We began last week our series in Ecclesiastes. What I just read to you was Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the end of that. Um, And today we're going to go through all of Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and try to get a picture again what it means to be striving after a win and what our lives look like uh, as we live under the sun. Uh, Medieval theologians I read this week called Ecclesiastes one of the two dangerous books in the Bible, Uh, the other one being Song of Solomon. Uh, This one, I I won't tell you why for that one, but this one is because if we read through Ecclesiastes and don't have understanding of what the Lord's trying to teach us, it could leave us uh, perhaps depressed or perhaps feeling like nothing matters, like everything we do is just a waste. And so uh, that's why they called it a, a dangerous Book. And maybe you felt that after last week as we've gone through Ecclesiastes chapter 1 where Solomon the preacher talks about uh, all that life is like under the sun. He talked about it in a philosophical and a very poetic way. I love, one thing I love most about the Bible, uh, among other things, one thing I love most is how honest the Bible is. And if there's anything we can say about Ecclesiastes, it is honest that life under the sun is di- difficult. Pastorally, this book is extremely important to us to realize that life under the sun in this present age, as we wait for Christ to return and set everything right, life under the sun is difficult. And pastorally, it speaks to us in this way because we know that coming to Jesus as our Savior and trusting Him with our lives doesn't mean that all of the pain under the sun goes away overnight. In fact, the Bible is clear that plenty of people who have followed Christ, life has become more difficult. And increasingly that will be true in our lives. And the more we follow Christ, perhaps it will become more difficult to live under the sun. And perhaps it will bring increased suffering because we still live under the sun. We are in Christ now, but we're still living under the sun. And life under the sun can be blistering, can it? It's no surprise that when we're living life under the sun, we try to find some sort of protection. We try to some sort of way to to kind of cope with life, some sort of relief, some sort of answers to all the pain and difficulty that we walk through. During Hurricane Ida, and I don't say this in a very nonchalant way because I know some of you dealt with some horrific uh, destruction and disaster and things like that, Uh, all we lost in lost, quote-unquote, in Ida was this maple tree in our backyard. Now, it had some sentimental value, but it didn't damage anything. So I don't say this glibly or to, to make light of the difficulty that you may be walking through right now at all. But there we were as we got home, and we realized about a week ago, as we were in our living room, that all of a sudden the sun is now beating in our living room like never before. We planted that tree, we cultivated that tree, all so that we could find some sort of shade, some sort of relief from that sun that warms up our family room in the evening so that we wouldn't be blistering hot. And so we spent five years cultivating that tree. We found the right tree. We found the Louisiana red swamp maple tree that I was looking for. Finally found it at Double M. I was all excited about it. And now it is in, probably in the chipper somewhere. And so I don't say that to make light, but, but, but I, I make it to make the point because here's what it reminds me of. We spend our lives cultivating, 
seeking to produce that which we think is going to provide us some sort of satisfaction, some sort of relief from the beating sun that just doesn't seem to go away. And we spent years cultivating this. So here's something I want you to start, start thinking about right now that we make decisions every day, some big, some small, but each decision, even the decision you made last night to come to church on Sunday morning, some of the big decisions, like to follow the Lord in baptism, to give your life to him, some big decisions, but even small decisions, each decision that we make, some big, some small, is seeking some sort of future result, right? That we want a long obedience, as Eugene Peterson put it. We want a a long obedience in the same direction. So all of those little steps of obedience that we walk through day in and day out. It may be little things. It may be big things. Whatever it might be. Each indicates our pursuit of what we are looking for to give us some sort of relief. What we are looking for to, to trust in as we live life under the sun. So I want you to start thinking about this. Because Solomon's going to give us some personal examples in a minute of what is it that you are cultivating in your life? What is it? What are you giving your time, your energy, your resources to in order to produce in your life what you are looking to give you some sort of satisfaction? Where is your hope? Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning uh, talked about that when he looked at uh, people who suffered in Nazi concentration camps, that the ones who seemed to live the longest were those who had their hearts set on some sort of future hope. Now here's the truth. We might set our hope on some, some future hope in some way, shape, or form, but is that future hope something that's going to deliver to satisfy What will this look like in your life? Will our hope prove to satisfy? Will it satisfy as Ecclesiastes will go on to talk about the eternity that the Lord puts in our hearts? So Ecclesiastes chapter 1 talked about philosophically and poetically the, the way that life looks under the sun, that life is on repeat. And now Solomon, through personal experience, is going to give us some ways that he has tried to cultivate and deal with and live with life under the sun. I read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 a minute ago, but I want you to turn your Bibles here because I want to point something out before we go any further. Remember the medieval said that this is a dangerous book, but I think it will help us if we start to get the, the glimpses of hope. I gave you the end last week, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and where this all ends, to love God and keep his commandments, right? But I want, to see, I want you to see those glimmers of hope, because if we miss the hope, then we could be left saying all of this is nothing. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13. Halfway through, he says this, It's an unhappy business, That God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Now you might read past that. But understand how this is a glimmer of hope. That God has given this to us. This striving as trying to find purpose and meaning in this life. In this present evil age, God has given this to us. In fact, Paul echoes this, maybe indirectly, In Romans chapter 8, verse 20, you can write this down or just listen to it right now. Romans 8, 24, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, 
The Word of God says, Romans 8.20, but because of him who subjected it. Right? We, we, we departed God's design in the garden. And because we departed God's design, our relationship with him was broken. And when our relationship with God is broken, everything else in our life, everything else in our world unravels. And we are subjected to that because God is a just God. That we are now subjected to futility. But the end of Romans 18, 8 verse 20 says this, To him who subjected it, you know those next two words? In hope. Brothers and sisters, we are not left hopeless. God is trying to get something through to us as we strive after the wind, as we go through frustrations, as we go through struggles. God is saying to us, do you remember the garden? Do you remember walking in hope in the cool of the day with a relationship with me? Do you remember that because of sin that you could no longer go in the garden? Your relationship with God was marred. It was broken and you were broken because of it. But do you remember that in hope I clothed you and I sent you out do you remember that in hope i gave you a promise that the one would come to crush the head of the serpent so that what is subjected to futility might no longer be subjected to futility but that the one who that could could save us the one who gives us hope was coming to set us free And so brothers and sisters, don't miss the hope because if we miss the hope, we will miss everything. But here's the deal. So let's keep pressing on. Here's here's the truth. You may recognize that there is hope. You may set your mind on something that you think is going to give you some sort of satisfaction. And you can recognize, at least acknowledge, tip your hat to God and recognize his hand in the world, but still try to find life and meaning outside of him. So just because you understand there is hope doesn't mean that you have given your life to the hope of the gospel. And so the Bible is telling us this, that there's hope because the hand of God has not been removed. In hope, he subjected creation to futility, but it has been done in hope. How do we lay hold of this hope? Solomon is going to tell us how he strove after the wind to lay hold of this hope. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, I said in my heart, so he's looking for hope. He's asking, ask yourself the question, what are you cultivating? Let me, let me ask it like this. For me to be happy, for me to be satisfied, for me to be hopeful, I need what? What is that one thing in your life that you're saying, if I have that, If I can achieve that, if I can look like that, if I can have that in my bank account, if I can have that on my resume, then I will be hopeful. Then I will find meaning, then I will find purpose. Solomon is going to tell us that what he strove after in his heart is what he was looking for. What's in your heart, the very center of your being, what are you declaring to say that is going to give you hope? That's what he's after. Not that I can just enjoy life, but that what I enjoy might satisfy the deepest longings of my heart. Might satisfy that that longing for eternity that God has placed in our heart that I'll talk about in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The first thing that Solomon pursued was pleasure. Look what he says in verse 1. We won't read all of the verses here, but let's read some of them. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1. I said in my heart, as he tries to strive after the wind, figure out life in in this crazy world, come now, I will test you with pleasure. 
So his first pursuit of happiness, his first pursuit of trying to find some sort of satisfaction, maybe this world is just about pleasure. Maybe if I can find pleasure, then I will see some sort of satisfaction and this world won't seem so bad. Maybe pleasure is the meaning of life. Maybe pleasure is just the way that we kind of dull the pain of life. Maybe it is true, as Seinfeld told us, that life is just a big, long story about nothing. And so just enjoy it along the way. Is that what it is? Maybe pleasure will kind of numb that pain of existence under the sun. But behold, he says, this was all vanity. I said of laughter. So, so understand what he's going after. Maybe laughter will numb it. It is mad and of pleasure. What use is But I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. So he goes from, from laughter, from comedy to substance. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly. So I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And so understand, what he, I'm seeking pleasure. And then great works. And he talks about these, these houses that he builds. Look at verse, verse 4 and 5. I built houses and vineyards and gardens and parks and fruit trees. And, and I had pools and growing trees. I had servants and silver and gold and singers and, and concubines. And all. I, I did not deprive myself of anything, he goes on to say. If I wanted it, I got it. I had the power to get it. I had the money to get it. I had everything at my disposal, and I took it just to see if this would give me some sort of pleasure. And doesn't this remind you even of our own day and age that we experience pleasure like like never before? I mean, imagine life 100 years ago. We're not talking about air condition and things like that. And all of these creature comforts that we have now that I'm very thankful to God for was something that past generations didn't have. And over and over and over again, our pleasure increases, our comfort comfort increases, but our satisfaction never does. We're still left with that hole. We're still left with that longing. And Solomon is saying, take it from me. I became great, he says in verse nine, surpassed all who were before me. And whatever my eyes desire, he says in verse 10, I did not keep it from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward. In in other words, the pleasure was the reward, and it didn't go any farther than that. Solomon tries to make his life comfortable with pools and gardens. Perhaps if we can return to the Garden of Eden and have everything at our disposal, perhaps then we will be satisfied. And so we spend our lives cultivating and pursuing all of these comforts, all of these pleasures, thinking if I have a little bit more, then I will be satisfied. If I move to that neighborhood, then I will be satisfied. If I get that salary, then I'll be satisfied. Young people, if I get on the team, if I get in the school, if I get that relationship, if I get this, I get that. Solomon says, I tried it all. None of that will eternally satisfy you. It's almost like he's trying to taste something while he has COVID, right? Just anything. Just something to give me some sort of taste. I'm tasting, I get the textures, and it's nourishing my, it seems to be nourishing my body, but I can't even taste it. If I can just taste it and be satisfied, and he says, there's no gain. All I get is pleasure. The pleasure dies. I'll end up going to be in the grave as well. So what use was it? He goes on to say, all was vanity. 
a striving after the wind. There's nothing to be gained under the sun. He's not saying he didn't have pleasure. He's saying there's no eternal gain. You can't take it with you. And so Solomon pursued pleasure. So he says in verse 12, so in his pursuit of hope, in his pursuit of satisfaction, one, he goes to pleasure, as we just read, and look how he transitions in verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom. Perhaps if I don't just seek pleasure, perhaps if I get understanding, if I get wisdom, if I can understand this world better, perhaps then I will find some sort of taste, some sort of satisfaction. If I cultivate wisdom in my life, then I will be satisfied. Then I will find gain under the sun. Then the tree will sprout up. It'll block the sun and I will be able to enjoy my life under the sun. So he goes on to say, to consider wisdom and madness and folly for what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there's more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there's more gain in light than in darkness. So, so again, he's saying there is some profit to living a wise life. He's not just saying to live however you want or live recklessly or anything like that. There is some gain. There is, at least in this world, there, there is some advantage, I should say, perhaps not gain, but there is an advantage to living a moral, wise life. Things seem to go better for you. Generally speaking, that seems to be the case. Look at verse 14. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. There's some advantage there. And yet, do you see this? I perceived that the same event happens to them all. So he's starting to tell us what's, what's really bugging him at this point, right? He's starting to tell us what's really bugging him. I have all this pleasure, but then it doesn't go with me. I have all this wisdom, but then the same event happens to the fool as it does to the wise. What is that same event? Death. Death is like the big needle that pops the bubble. We think we're finding some sort of security. We think we're growing and growing and growing. And all of a sudden that seems to pop the balloon and there we go. It happens to all of them. It's a dangerous book, but don't stop there. There's hope in this book. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? You've experienced the fool. Why have I been wise? Do you see this person acting foolish? They got the job. They got the promotion. They got the recognition. They got all of this. And I'm trying to live my life according to wisdom, living my life according. And they seem to be the ones getting ahead. And they're the ones being dishonest. Does that frustrate you sometimes? Yeah. And that, that's what Solomon said. I'm so frustrated at this because I see that even sometimes that they get ahead even though they're living foolishly. And then we all die. And I said in my heart, this is vanity, verse 16. For of the wise as of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. So understand what Solomon is is really getting us across here is, is as he's trying to live his life with pleasure, trying to find hope in these things, trying to find eternal hope and eternal satisfaction, he's realizing that death comes to all, and this is very perplexing to him. So how do we live? Perhaps, so he's pursued pleasure, he's pursued wisdom, maybe if I pursue work, 
Maybe that's what I need to be after. If I work hard enough, I hated all my toil, verse 18, in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Isn't this difficult to hear? That perhaps this, perhaps this is it. You're, you're, you're building all of this wealth. You're building all of this wisdom. You're building this business or whatever it may be. And then someone comes after you and you are dead in the grave and you can't do anything about it. And they squander it all away. What gain is there? I've toiled for wisdom. I've toiled for prosperity. And then he says, this is also vanity. Verse 20. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. Doesn't that just get you? Solomon says, trust me, I get it. There's nothing left of that physical kingdom I've worked so hard to build. This is difficult. Life under the sun is difficult. This is also vanity and a great evil. What is a man, verse 22, what is a man from all the toil and striving of heart which he toils beneath the sun? For his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is all vanity. He's saying, I've been through all of this. Will my legacy survive? Will my riches survive? Will my business survive? Will my wealth survive? Will what I've tried to pass down to my kids, will it survive? And it leaves him to despair. And so we realize, as this old song said, this world has nothing for me, but this world has so much. It has everything. So how do we walk under the sun? How do we walk in this in this confusion that we live in. And the truth of the matter is, for most of us today, we spend so much of our time pursuing those things. We look at celebrities, we look at the rich, we look at the wealthy, and and somehow we think, even though you will likely never become one of those people, you strive after those things, thinking that if I can just make it, if enough people will see my video, if I could just go viral, maybe I could have one of those types of careers, and then I'd really be something. Maybe you've struggled with that before. Solomon is saying there's nothing new under the sun. I've tried it, and it does not work when we realize that hope is available to all of us when we realize the truth of it all. But when he's asking this question, here's one of the final questions I kind of want to kind of think through here. So in all of this, he's saying, I get rich, I have pleasure, I have wisdom, I have all these things, yet the same lot happens to us all. So the real question is, who, at least as I'm reading this text and preparing for this sermon, who or what gets the final word? Because for Solomon, he's in despair because it seems for the moment that death gets the final word. That in this life, this is it. Life under, and, and if that's true, if this is it, life under the sun, then yeah, there is room for despair. What gets the final word? Because it seems to me that death gets the final word is what Solomon, in all my pursuits, this is what I'm, if we can answer that question, what or who gets the final word, then perhaps we would have hope. 
And for Solomon, he's in this despair for a moment. Perhaps that's where you are right now because it seems that death, it seems that catastrophe, it seems that brokenness gets the final word. But we know as followers of Jesus Christ that death does not get the final word. That he subjected creation to futility, but he did it in hope. And the hope that we have is in Christ Jesus, that the futility will be undone, that the pain will be undone, that the brokenness that we experience because of our relationship with Christ, because we are born dead in our sins and trespasses, and if we try to raise ourselves to life through pleasure, through, through wisdom, through whatever it might be, it will prove worthless. It will be striving after the wind. What we need to know, brothers and sisters, that this business that God has given us to think through, this business that he talks about in Ecclesiastes, is a business that says, yes, life is frustrating under the sun, but Jesus has come. Jesus has come under the sun, if you will. Jesus has taken on our sin, our brokenness, and he's died the death that we deserve, and he has been raised to new life. And all of those who are in Christ Jesus, you have been crucified with Christ. You've been buried with him. Behold, you are a new creation. You are no longer subject to futility because of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, death does not get the final word. So therefore, we have hope. Is wisdom useless? Wisdom in this world, yes. It's going to change. What people are promoting as wisdom these days was very unwise years ago. Wisdom that doesn't begin with the fear of God that Proverbs talks about. Yes, it is useless. But when you realize that you are living for another day, when you are living for eternity, you can enjoy the wisdom that God gives. Is pleasure useless? Yes, as far as satisfying the desires of our heart. But when you realize that everything that you have from God is a gift, then you begin to enjoy life like never before. That's what Solomon says. There's nothing better for a person than they should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, here's the bookends of what we're talking about today. Do you see it there at the end of chapter two? This also is the hand of God. Everything that we have on this earth. This is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? But with him, we get to enjoy it all. And not in a way that's putting so much pressure on what we eat, what we enjoy, and everything else that we make a God out of it, and it doesn't satisfy us. We have God. We trust in God. He is our hope. He has defeated death. And those are in Christ. We are resurrected. And when we understand that, and when we cling to that hope, then we realize that everything is from the Lord and we can enjoy it and use it to long for that day when he will make everything right. For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he's given the business of gathering and collecting only to, be the one, only to give to the one who pleases to God. This is also vanity and striving after the wind. Brothers and sisters, it's so important to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, though a dangerous book it might be. Because we know that life under the sun is difficult, and that we live under the sun today, but there's more to the story that we will live in glory one day. In fact, there is gain to be had, for the Bible tells us that to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, we read it in our discipleship group this week, and this passage has been sticking with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Verse 10, it says, To this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God. Death does not get the final word. We have a living God. Paul goes on to tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. And so he's saying, as Solomon is understanding that we didn't bring anything into the world, we can't take anything out of the world, what gain is there under the sun? And Paul tells to Timothy that godliness with contentment, that is where gain is found. God is not a cosmic killjoy trying to get us to have no fun or pleasure or wisdom in this world. God is our creator. He's our father. He knows what we are designed for. He's helping us to enjoy him forever. And when we understand the gospel, we will enjoy life all the more. We toil but we serve a resurrected God who restores everything. I love how someone sent me this quote this couple of weeks ago, and I held on to it for today. This is not the Bible. This is just Lou Holtz, which I guess if you live in South Bend, Indiana, perhaps he is like a God to you. I don't know. If you want to be happy for an hour, eat a steak. If you want to be happy for a day, play golf. If you want to be happy for a week, go on a cruise. If you want to be happy for a month, buy a car. If you want to be happy for a year, win the lottery. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he will never let you down. The bottom line is we cause ourselves grief and frustration because we are looking for the created things that God has given us to enjoy, to do what only God can do. Yes, brothers and sisters, God has subjected this world to futility, but he's done so in hope. That's why Paul can say, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Let's pray.